Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. But I am really excited about this particular um, letter that we're looking at. So we are finishing up our series called Seven. And Seven because we're looking at the seven letters that are written in the first few chapters of Revelation. And what we're doing is we're picking the faith component from these letters and we're deciphering of how that can apply to us in the world that we're living in today. And so what we're learning from this particular series is that, how, oh sorry, how we can have an unwavering faith in an uncertain world that we live in. Um, We don't have control over what we're facing, but we do have control over the responses that we can can give. We can't decrease our opposition, but we can increase our faith to combat that in spiritual warfare, hey? So tonight, we're looking at the church of Laodicea. Say, Laodicea. Not bad. It took me about three Google translations before I got it. (laughs) Just played it over and over. I was like phonically just memorised it. Um, But Laodicea, what I want to do, uh, sorry, to do before I jump into the verse is just paint a little bit of uh, a a picture for you. So just to understand what this particular particular city was facing at this time. Um, If you're anything like me, I hate history. (laughs) It's not my favourite subject. But I think that's because the particular person... teaching history is just about as ancient as the subject that they're teaching. And so what I want to do tonight is give us a bit of a, sorry if there's any history teachers here, I apologise in advance, but I want to give us this quick little overview of what it could look like. Um, So I started by uh, Googling it, found myself on Wikipedia, heard Mrs Jones and all my teachers yelling my head of reputable sources. So I found a journal article on it. And so this is where I'm getting my information from. It's from Professor Mark Fairchild. He is a biblical archaeologist that was part of the excavations of this city from 2003 to 2019. Check your sources, people. So Laodicea, what to know about Laodicea? It was a really wealthy city. In fact, it was so wealthy that when the city had been decimated by earthquakes, not once, not twice, but three times, they were so financially well off that they could rebuild the city on their own. They actually refused um, imperial assistance, so um, assistance from the Roman emperor to rebuild it because they had enough money in their own pockets. So it was a really financially well-off city. It was also located on really major trade routes, connecting them to Ephesus, to Smyrna and to also Sardis. So it really was in like this hotspot. And so a lot of people made their income through trade, through merchants. Um, And so uh, Laodicea in particular was a production site for this um, black wool, this really fine black wool, and made a lot of um, income off of trading that. What also is happening at this time that the letter was written is a particular emperor, Emperor Domitian, um, had made a few new decrees and new customs. So what was typical is that when a Roman emperor passed away, they were then deified. They were then considered a god and uh, the people had to worship them as such. But um, this emperor, the emperor that's ruling at the time, was like, mm, I'm not going to wait until I'm dead to get that glory. I'm going to do it while I'm still alive. So he made these decrees and these laws to say, you have to worship me as a God, but 
also your one and only God. And you can only trade in our city if you're willing to admit that I'm your one and true God. And so these Christian people were really in this like conundrum of, well, I can't make an income unless I renounce my faith, um, but then I can't uphold my faith because I won't have an income. So they're in this like tension that they're managing. And this is where we then read the verse um, because I think that context is gonna help us just understand where Jesus is coming from. So Revelation chapter three, verses 14 to 22. And this is what it says. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the rule of God's creation. So talking about Jesus here. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, and I wish that you are either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich and I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those who I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who was victorious, I give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. All right, see why context is key in this particular passage? Because I read it without context. I'm like, man, this author is grumpy. Um, But it's because he's so frustrated because these people are so lukewarm. And so what we're seeing is that the Laodiceans um, are more concerned or are distracted by their ability to make an income than what they are with their relationship with God. And so the the Laodiceans had this idea that they were so rich that that they didn't need a thing. But we see Jesus tell them, no, you're wretched, you're pitiful, you're you're blind, you're poor, you're naked. And the Laodiceans were so focused on what was happening externally and not what's happening internally. And so distractions, what distraction does is it forms this picture of the reality in our head versus the reality that's really happening. So tonight, uh, the faith that we're going to look at, the type of faith we're looking at is called distracted faith. Distracted faith. Um, So distractions can be really dangerous to our journey. And I'm not just talking spiritually, but also physically. Um, In fact, distractions are one of the top five causes of road traffic accidents. Uh, There was a study done in 2018 by the Australian Naturalistic uh, Driving Association and they found that a driver is distracted every 96 seconds by something other than the road in front of them. So every 96 seconds, they're looking at something either outside the car, they're distracted by something inside the car with a device, with a person, whatever it may be, but they're so distracted by something other than the road ahead of them, by something other than that journey ahead of them. What else? Distraction and inattentive driving are in fact one of the top four causes of fatal road accidents. So this is quite a dangerous thing that distractions can present. Um, I know for me, I'm finishing my uni degree in three weeks and I'm beyond excited. Praise the Lord. Um, But for me, I've got heaps of tests and assignments coming up and they require lots of attention just to focus in on it. And um, there was one particular day a couple of weeks ago where I was like, all right, I'll just sit down, smash out some study. But I didn't have any motivation for it. You know, when you're not motivated. Um, so I was like, oh, I know what I do. I'll find a YouTube video to motivate me. 
mistake, let me tell you. So I jump on YouTube, I find this video, and I'm like, oh, it's got heaps of views, look at it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll find something else. So then I watch another video, not really hitting the spot. And I was like, mm, okay, I'll listen to my favourite song instead. Maybe it's like, you know, you'll hype me up enough that I'll like, feel like doing my assignment. So then I listen to my favourite song, then I've listened to that. Also realise, oh, my artist, the artist that I like has released a new song, I'll listen to that. Oh, that's been covered by a 10-year-old on the blind audition voice or whatever it is. Then, oh, a 10-year-old did a cover on Australians Got Talent. They got a golden buzzer. So suddenly, I've spent all this time on YouTube going down this rabbit hole because I've been distracted. And distraction is a really subtle thing. It's not like we've got this red flag saying, you are distracted. It's this really subtle thing that happens to us. And so what it's trying to do, distraction shifts our attention from something of great importance to something of less importance. And so tonight, I really want to flesh that out a little bit more. Pastor Tony preached a message about five years ago, um, a message called uh, The Weapons of Mass Distraction. And he listed the five Ps of distraction. They are people, popularity, um, pain, problems, and procrastination. So they're the five Ps. And that may be a category that you're fitting into. Procrastination definitely was one that I fit into. Um, But what I want to do tonight is instead of looking at those categories of the different type of distraction, is instead look at the symptoms of distraction, how they can manifest in our relationship with God. Hey, does that sound good? Awesome. So number one, uh, how do I know if I have a distracted faith? We have a lukewarm relationship with God. A lukewarm relationship with God. If we're feeling lukewarm, we're often um, in our comfort zone. So we're doing, uh, we're valuing what makes us feel safe. We're putting our security and our safety above everything else. And when we're a lukewarm Christian living in our comfort zone, we're negating our responsibility. We're denying our responsibility to do what God has asked us to do. Instead, we are um, doing what we think works for us better, what isn't making us feel like we're risked um, and putting us out of that comfort zone. We're doing what we feel will make us safe and keep us safe. James 2, 14 to 19 says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you goes to them and says, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good, but even the demons believe that. So my question to us tonight is, if we're not pursuing after God and doing His, uh, our deeds to help pursue God and, and reveal Him to His people, how are we different from any of the demons who believe that there's a God that exists as well? Like how are we actually outworking God's purpose and helping others in our world? We can't influence the world by trying to be like it and we can't influence the world by trying to be liked by it. Okay? Awesome. When we're um, lukewarm, we're choosing what is popular, not what is necessarily right. Um, Or we're finding scriptures that'll help us feel good about ourselves, help us feel nice about ourselves and not ones that are going to challenge us and shake us up a little bit. This is what lukewarm looks like. We're so concerned with our comfort zone, but God has called us to live a life on the edge. He's called us to give a purpose. He's put dreams in our heart. He's put visions in our heart. And often they're terrifying and scary and our fear holds us back from it 
but we're too busy going, no, 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 that's not comfortable, that um, we're withholding God from doing what He can be doing. And the end of the day is my sphere of influence is different to your sphere of influence. So my reach can't reach where you're going. So the particular school that you work at, the university that you go to, um, whatever position that you're in, I can't reach where you're going. So it is up to us. It is our burden to share God's news. If you're not doing it, then who's doing it? Um, God's called us to live a life of big purpose. He's called us to be a light on a hill. And a lukewarm Christian puts a lampshade on top of their light. A lukewarm Christian goes, no, I'm happy it's reaching this far, but no further. So I ask us, how far is our light reaching? Or have we put a lampshade upon our own light? Are we dimming our own light because it's more comfortable for us, but it's not what God is asking us, hey? So that's, are we a lukewarm Christian? That's kind of the first point there. The second one, we're too busy or we're too stressed. Too busy or we're too stressed. Now, stress is a part of everyday life. I get that. But I'm talking about like an ongoing stress, like a prolonged stress. And I'm going to associate stress, anxiety and busyness kind of under the same umbrella. Psychologically, they're very different. And Beth will explain that on Tuesday night. That's her job on Tuesday night. Mine's just to put this under the same umbrella. She's got the qualifications for that. I do not. But stress can distract us from our relationship with God. Um, There's a story in the Bible about Mary and Martha and their two sisters. And I love this story. Absolutely love it. Um, So there's two sisters uh, and Martha's inviting Jesus and the disciples over to a house to have them over for a meal. And Martha gets so caught up in the kitchen, the preparations, and and Jesus turns around and kind of tells her off for it. Now, I read this story... Um, and I feel for Martha. Martha's my favourite. I'm a Martha at heart. Martha's my sister from another mister. Um, but she's one of my, <laughs> she's my favourite. So every time I read it and Jesus tells her off, I'm like, oh, poor Martha. But there's a point here that I want to make. And so what I want to do is I'm going to quickly read the Bible verse and then I'll uh, explain where I'm kind of landing with that one. So Luke 10 verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my my sister has left me with all the work to do by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord said. Crystal, crystal, the Lord said. Your name, your name. (laughs) You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. What I take away from this is God is more concerned to our proximity to Him than our productivity for Him. In other words, He's so concerned with where are you? If I'm here, if I'm in the presence, and you've missed this whole opportunity, this whole purpose, because you're making the preparations for it, which I get is stressful, absolutely. But how close are you to me? Or are you just doing things for me? And we're missing this opportunity. Externally, we're doing all the right things, but internally, we're not spending time with God. When we go to heaven, our greatest reward that we can be said about us is well done, good and faithful servant. You don't want to get to heaven and God be a stranger to you. And he's like, you number who this? You don't want to be a stranger to God. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> so how well do we know Jesus? How much time are we spending with Him? How close and how well do we know Him? A friendship only exists so well because you're spending time, you're making an effort with that person. How much are we doing that for Jesus? Is that an everyday thing? Is that just a Sunday thing? What does that look like for you? 
Um, yeah, I'll say it. Look, I was reading a note and I was like, do I, don't I? But I will. Um, we, we have to work out how close we are working with God. So if we're only here on a Sunday and then that's it, but we're not sharing about His Word, are we just wearing a silver cross necklace? Are we, have we just got the honk if you love Jesus sticker? Are we just posting that selfie with a scripture? We're like, yeah, Jesus, I'm done. All my followers know about it. But it's not enough. How well do we know Him? How close are we to Jesus? How close are we to Jesus? So sometimes if we're too busy or too stressed, we're actually distracting ourselves from spending time with Him. Number three, we start to compromise. We start to compromise His promises for our purposes. When we compromise, we start placing conditions onto God. We say we love God fully and we love Him wholeheartedly. But if God is calling us to do something and we don't necessarily want to do it because it may not fit into our schedule or what we want for ourselves, we start making conditions. Um, my mum so lovingly reminded me <laughs> tonight, I was a back chatter as a kid. I didn't sneak out. I was too good for any of that. But if mum told me to clean my room, I would give her 10 reasons as to why I don't think I should. I probably did a heading quite a bit. Or if it was a school holidays and we had to clean our wardrobes, I'll give her another 10 reasons as why we shouldn't. I like to negotiate and compromise, hence why I'm studying law at uni, because I find that really, really thrilling. So compromising. <laughs> but when we start compromising with God, again, externally, we start doing all of these right things. But internally, we know we're not living up to the task that God has placed on our heart. And at the end of the day, like God's not asking us, hey, just, um, he's like, make sure you invite all these people over and spend time with them. Internally, and you know what he's also saying, but have you had the challenging conversation knowing that they're sleeping with their boyfriend right now? This is what God's asking us to do. Or are we compromising ourselves by saying, hey God, you know what? I will do like 80% of what you're asking, but that last 20%, nah, 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 nah. What I love about Jeremiah 29, 11, it's such an overused scripture, but it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. For I know, in other words, God's saying, I have the plans. It's not, hey God, these are my plans and like Holy Spirit, bless me. Like this is what we're doing. No, we're being spirit led and guided by the Holy Spirit. And if we're gonna do that, it's a complete surrender. It's not just an 80% surrender. It's a complete surrender. I read this somewhere, it says, we don't drift toward holiness, we drift toward compromise and we call it tolerance. And then we drift toward disobedience and we call it freedom. Sometimes we're too concerned running the show for our own lives rather than giving God the reins to that. <laughs> God does not guide those who want to run their own lives. You're guiding yourselves there. What I like, there's a small little... Um, story in the Bible and it's just before Jesus goes to the cross and He knows what He's about to do. He knows the ask of it. He knows how big it is and um, He gets some time with God and He knows, uh, He prays this prayer and I love this prayer and He goes, God, if this cup can be taken away from me, if this burden, if this task can be taken away from me, do it. But not my will, but Your will be done. What I like about this moment is Jesus doesn't push through the cross moment. He's instead pulled through the cross moment. And what I ask about ourselves is if we're compromising God, are we pushing through the things that God's asking us to do? Are we pushing through the seasons rather than being pulled by God and the Holy Spirit where we have the grace and the anointing to do so? Are we being pushed or pulled through? Are we being Spirit-led or are we dictating to God what, he, what we want Him to do for us? Ultimately, distractions end up separating us from God. If, if enough of them amounts, that's what it ends up doing. 
Um, I read some stats about uh, some social media for 2020 and it was saying the average user is on social media 131 minutes a day. So just over two hours per day. But in a lifetime, this works out to be six years and eight months. Six years and eight months. Distraction's subtle. We go from spending 10 minutes on social media to then a half an hour, to an hour, to a couple hours, to suddenly we're on there most of our day or most of our night and we're negating the other relationships that we've got in our life. I'm not here to have a crack on social media at all. I think it can be a brilliant tool, but I think it can be a really big distraction. But my point is this, we can't let the noise of the world keep us from hearing the voice of God. The voice of God is too important to let your social media feed overtake that. I'm gonna invite the rest of the band up if that's okay. But our attention will often run to what is most important to us. What's most important to us? For the Laodiceans, it was the money, it was their income that was most important to them. And for us, it might be one of those five Ps. It might be the people, the popularity, the problems, the pain or the procrastination, whatever it might be. What's distracting you this evening? The Laodiceans were so focused on what they had to give up rather than what they could have gained. What's our attention on? Is our attention on if I step into this next calling, if I step into this next season, am I giving up A, B, C? Or do I have this, actually I'm gaining a deeper relationship with God. I'm grasping grasping a deeper understanding of who He is. What are we focused on? What I love about the story of Laodicea um, and this particular journal article I read by uh, Professor Mark Fairchild, he read um, the lukewarm legacy of Laodicea. So they had a legacy for being lukewarm. But what I like about Laodicea is its lukewarm legacy was not its final legacy. They had a redemption. In the end, they survived the reign of the emperor. In the end, they actually had a really rich history with the church. They ended up having a Biosphoric seat where there was a bishop that could sit in there. They held councils, which was really esteemed privilege, but they made a choice to turn it around. And so I ask us, or I challenge us, and I, said, and I say this, our distractions don't have to become our reputation. Whatever we're distracted by, it doesn't have to be where we end up and where we stay. We can change, we can evolve or we can remain, but we have the choice to do so. Our relationship with God should be one that is active, not reactive. We should be running to God on an everyday basis, not just in those moments we need help and not any other time. And hear me out, I'm not saying, hey, if, if life's tough and whatever else, and, and like, like Crystal, you said, I can't run to Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. Absolutely run to Him. But don't make that the only time that we're running to Him. It's an everyday walk with Him. Find some time to set aside. Find out what, what distracts you and what you need to eliminate. For me, I can't have my phone anywhere near me. It's the Bible, it's a pen and paper. I have to have my phone away from me. The other thing I like doing is going for a drive. If my hands are busy, my phone's off and it's behind me and I'm just spending some time in prayer with the road ahead of me, not like the other drivers. The road's ahead of me, but I'm spending time in prayer. It's just me and Him and my hands are busy. I physically can't look at anything else because I'm focused on the road ahead of me. Find what works for you. How are you going to spend time every day with Him and eliminate those distractions? Faith is not an emotion, it's a decision. Faith is not an emotion, it's a decision. And I challenge us tonight of we can have a greater increase or decrease of faith at any point in time. It's just our choice to do so. It's just our choice to do so. It's a decision to stand on God's Word. It's a decision to live out His purposes, His calling and being obedient to Him. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 